May it be your will, the eternal God, to grant us long life, a life of peace, a life of good, a life of blessing, a life of sustenance, a life of vigor of the bones, a life in which there is fear of sin, a life free from shame and embarrassment, a life of riches and honor, a life in which we may be filled with love of Torah and awe of heaven, a life in which you will fulfill all of our heart's desires for good. Who would like to have that? That is the blessing of the new month. That's said every time the moon changes and we get a new month. It is called Birkat HaChodesh and we say it together on the Shabbat before the new moon and we did that last Shabbat, as I said, welcoming in the month of Tammuz, which is the fourth month in the calendar. And I'm certain that every single person in this room had a huge welcome Tammuz Rosh Chodesh party, didn't you? Who, who had a party to welcome the new moon? No one does. But in the biblical sense, the new moon really is a very big deal. It's a very, very joyous time commanded throughout the Bible with celebration, festivity, the sounding of the shofar, the celebration of the new month, Numbers 10, in the day of your gladness and in your appointed feasts and on the first days of your month, you shall blow the trumpets over your offerings. Psalm 81, blow the trumpet at the new moon. You find it in Nehemiah, Kings, Ezekiel, Amos, Samuel, Hosea, Isaiah. It even makes it into the New Testament in Colossians. Of course, translated and interpreted negatively today by, unfortunately, most people in the church, where, God's, where, where they're saying that Paul is telling the people, don't pay any attention to those old Jewish feasts or new moons. That's not at all what it was, because what was once great in God's eyes never becomes bad in God's eyes. So the new moon is a big deal. And so we say that blessing because who doesn't want all those things? I mean, come on, life free of sin, of riches and honor, all of awe of heaven? I want that every day, every month. But Tammuz, it's a little bit different this month. First of all, Tammuz is the name of an idol, which is strange, right? It's an, it is a pagan idol, in the Bible. Now, what happened with the months is, as we know, in the Torah, they're by number, right? The first month. This shall be the first month for you. After Babylon, the sages say that the, the names came with the exiles back. The months now were called what they were called in Babylon, which is strange. However, Tammuz, in particular, the sages also suggest that name was very specifically chosen as a reminder of the horrendous judgment that comes from the sin of idolatry. So check this out. There's a bit of an interesting connection. We know that the Torah was given last month on the 6th of Sivan, right? That's the month. So, 6 Sivan, Moses was on the mountain for 40 days, right? So 23 days 
for the rest of Sivan, and then we moved into Tammuz, and 17 days in Tammuz. So we had 23 and 17, which took us to the 17th of Tammuz. Got it? That was 40 days from the giving of the Torah. Do you know what happened on that day when Moses came down in Tammuz and saw what Israel was doing? What happened? The golden calf on the 17th of Tammuz. So you can see why it would be a pretty pointed reminder for Israel throughout the rest of the history when you think of this Tammuz thing. But there's more to it that's not so great. The northern hemisphere is entering now this very, very hot and dry season that we love in middle Georgia. 100% humidity, 110 degrees Fahrenheit. It's a dream come true. We're between the calendar, so we don't have any... The spring festivals are past. The fall festivals are yet to come, so we're in what is the long, hot, dry summer, even in God's calendar. But it's not that pretty because Tammuz is associated also with a number of tragedies that have befallen the Jewish people throughout history. So it's not only hot and dry climate, it's spiritually sort of dry. And remember that 17th of Tammuz thing that I just told you about the golden calf? Well, from that point forward, 17 Tammuz to the 9th of Av, and we all know Tishba Av, right? The 17th of Tammuz begins the three-week period in the calendar up to the day of destruction in the next month, exciting Av. So, it's heavy, so yeah, we said the blessing, we welcome the new month, but it is pretty safe to say that Tammuz tends to take sort of a decline in joy as we go through it. Because toward the end, we're right in the middle and approaching the ninth of Av. So, welcome to Tammuz. To which I say, are you kidding me? Seriously, with everything that we have going on around us in society, we have to focus our attentions on this, like, depressing month? Seriously. I mean, we've been through this pandemic. We're still going through this pandemic. We're having all kinds, like, we don't have cable, but occasionally we will get some news and there's not much news to get because it's all pre-recorded. But man, I am telling you, every single thing on the news is about like that we're all going to die again. And so we're, I can't say we've been through a pandemic. We're still majorly dealing with this. Joyful, happy, uplifting. These are not words I would use to describe the first half of 2020, no matter what hemisphere you live in. And the last thing I really want to focus my attention on is like mourning and destruction and spiritual dryness. 
social isolation we're looking at, economic difficulty in the United States, strife, division on a countrywide scale. So things are pretty heavy already. So here's my suggestion. Can we just skip this Tammuz Av thing this year? God, can we just get a pass and like just act like it didn't happen? We got enough to focus on. I've given you some perspective over the last few weeks on something that you already know, that life is hard, life is unfair, life is not easy. Tragedy and misfortune, these are inescapable realities of this life. They are certainly nothing new to the Jewish people. Um, So why shouldn't we have a depressing month, right? This gives us something to complain about. But since we're talking about new months and new moons, I want to make this connection for you. There is a very interesting connection that the sages make from the, to the moon and the Jewish people. And that is that the moon disappears. It goes away. Unlike the sun, which, thank God, continues to rise and set every day, the moon disappears at times. It waxes, it wanes, and then it's invisible. And so the sages of Israel have compared the Jewish people to the moon. In the sense, does that make us moonies? In the sense that throughout history, so often it has been that it looked like the Jewish people would be completely wiped out, that they would be eradicated, that they would be, in essence, invisible, gone, lost, defunct, and yet, like the new moon, they re emerge. Of course, the best example of this is the Holocaust, which you would certainly say was a waning phase for the Jewish people, and then the waxing of the state of Israel and the rebirth. So this, it's, a, it's a neat connection. But, but here's the interesting thing about Rosh Chodesh. You would think that we would have this celebration like when, when the moon is bright and shining and illuminating its light for all the world to see. That's not how Rosh Hodesh works at all. It's, it's at the time when, when we're asking God to bless the month that's upcoming. It's at the time when we can't even like see the moon. It's invisible. Why? I believe it's because God is asking us to say, it's still there whether you see it or not. I will renew it, but you must have faith in me. And the fact that I've been doing this for a long time, and when we can't see what we're hoping for, that's exactly what we're believing, is that Magain Avraham, that the God is still, our God is still faithful to do it. Now, here's another little Mooney trivia. Do you know that there was a time when Jews were prohibited from observing Rosh Chodesh? Why? Why would something so inane be such a big deal to people, especially people like the Romans who had no shortage of gods and goddesses for the moon? But 
there was a very particular system for how the month was identified back then. And you would have witnesses who would cite the new moon and they'd come to the Sanhedrin and they would announce it. And then everybody knew when the festivals were and they would actually light signal fire in Jerusalem. And when the fire was seen, they'd light it in the next town and the next town. So everybody could know that it was Rosh Chodesh. Well, that got messed up because the Samaritans started lighting fires on the wrong day to purposely mess up the calendar. And then Rome came along under Roman occupation and said, you know what? You can't do that moon thing anymore. We don't want you to celebrate the new moon. Why? I don't know. We don't want you to circumcise your kids. We don't want you to study Torah. We don't want you to do any of those silly, gross Jewish things. So the moon is another one of those. But they were forced to find a new and secretive way to communicate the new moon. So the Talmud tells it like this. An emissary was sent to Ain Tav. The witnesses there would testify that they had seen the moon. The message that they would send back to Jerusalem was this. I taught it to you and we sang it about 150,000 times this morning. David, Melech Yisrael, Chai, Chai, Vikayam. David, Melech Yisrael, Chai, Chai, Vikayam. Why? David, the king of Israel, endures. That was the message. And what was the secret code? Well, that's a, very, that's a very famous song, as I said. Every camper knows it. You sing that song at bar mitzvahs. You sing it at weddings. It's all over the place. It's also a very famous song in the founding of Israel. It was a song of triumph and marching in. But it's very much more than a camp song in what it's communicating. Why those words were chosen is because at the time and even today, there is very little evidence that the king is near. Very little evidence. And you look around the world and it seems less and less every day. For them and for us, the message was, listen, I know it looks glim and bleak and ugly and nasty, but David, son of David in essence, the Messiah is going to come. And when we think about this moon and we, we see it being renewed, we have to have faith that he is going to do it. That was why that message was chosen. But you see, the kingdom is hidden. We can't see Messiah reigning from Jerusalem. Torah is not being written on people's hearts in any kind of profound way. We have all these horrendous things. Isaiah's words are not happening. The wolf is not lying down with the lamb. The light of the kingdom is not visible to us. What we see is strife, discontent, disease, wars, pain, suffering, And that's actually how it's been for a long, long time. And as I have so cheerfully reminded you so many times, it's going to get worse. And we have to be prepared for that. We still continue to, to make our attempt at tikkun olam and repairing the world. We do what we can. 
But it's as if, and I, I'm not as negative as this sounds, it's as if God is invisible. And the messianic age, and I mean, even the Messiah seems so far removed from the world we live in. So here's the bad news. It is Tammuz. It's a heavy month leading into a heavier one, into Av. Things are already pretty heavy. And with all the new challenges we're facing in the world, we are going to navigate some darkness right now. Not this very moment, but ahead of us. It's not the first time we've been here. And unless Messiah returns very, very quickly, it is not the last time we will be here. Tammuz is the month when the walls of Jerusalem were breached and both of the temples, both of the temples, I'm sorry, Tammuz is when the walls were breached leading to the destruction of the temples that took place in the month of Av. The sages indicate that there is a particular reason why the temple was destroyed. Christianity often says that it is because they did not accept Jesus. Well, a lot of Jews did accept Jesus. So that couldn't be actually the whole reason. The reason is something called sinachinam. Sinachinam, which means baseless hatred. You know what baseless hatred is? It means hating somebody without a reason. It means not making any attempt to get along with people around you. And yes, we still have that going on. And it is on both sides, as I have unpopularly said. It is. Sinat Hinam is alive and well in this Tammuz, just like it was then. And if we allowed ourselves to be consumed by the things that we see going on around, around us, man, that's scary. So here's my point. Tammuz is not comfortable, but it's necessary. We can't skip it. We have to sit right here where we are and see what it is that God wants to tell us. But you got to listen and you got to look. And maybe that's why I said that about talking to Adela, because I'm just hyper in tune with looking for opportunities now to hear what God is saying in some of the difficulties that we're facing. Tammuz offers this perfect place for the world to start considering some things that I don't think we have paid attention to for a long, long time. And here's what Rabbi Hirsch says, and I really like this. Each time the moon finds the sun again, each time it receives its rays of light afresh, God wants his people to find him again and to be illuminated with fresh rays of light wherever and however in running their course they have had to pass through periods of darkness and obscurity. You are to fix your moons as times of fresh recurring rejuvenation. We cannot see what it is that we're hoping for right now. Do you know what that is? That is the messianic age. We cannot see it. But we know it's there. And all the more we have to keep looking for the reappearing. And I don't actually mean the moon. Because here is the good news. Ben David. Ben David, Melech Yisrael, Haivikayam. The son of David. 
the King of Israel lives and endures. Whether you see it or not, we know him as Yeshua, the light of the world, and like the new moon, he is here, though not fully illuminated. That's partially our job. But the plan remains firmly in place, and this world will be redeemed when his light breaks the eastern sky. That's the promise. That's what we're counting on, regardless of how far and distant it seems. And until then, we believe anima amin with complete faith in the coming of the Messiah and follow the instructions of the author of Hebrews and walk with the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. That is where we are, friends. Together, we keep on marching. Amen. Shabbat shalom and a late Rosh Chodesh Tov. There is a special prayer that you'll find in most Sadurs that's called Kedush Levana, which is the sanctification of the moon. Doesn't really mean sanctification of the moon. That sounds kind of paganish. It's actually a, a, a celebration of the creator of the moon. And that is a prayer that's said between like day 3 and 15 of the month while the moon is waxing full. And you go out under the lights and you read psalms and you praise God. It would be a good thing to do if you can find it because we're early on in the days of this new moon and hopefully some little morsel of what I said has found residence in your spirit. And when you see the moon, you'll know we are being rejuvenated. Shabbat Shalom. We're building the kingdom and thankful that you're a part of that mission. If this teaching inspired you, please consider a financial gift to support the work of Shalom Macon. Visit MaconMessianic.com and click Give Online. May the Lord bless and keep you.